Amen. Well, we started with, uh, uh, from the beginning, when City Light opened uh, almost four years ago now, we started partnering with our brothers in Uganda uh, with a ministry um, called International Care Ministries and expanding from the Philippines into Uganda. And our partner there has an orphanage of 2,000 children there. And so those are some of the pictures you saw. So they went there, they partnered with them, spent time with the kids, delivered Bibles to all the children, and then we're able to go out to the rural areas and see where we're really working uh, at City Light to make a difference, to see people come to Christ and to help them uh, overcome poverty as well. So it's, it's been a great uh, time together. And then the last one I want to tell you about this week is Nate and Kristen. Nate and Kristen have been in Alaska, or as little Katie says, Alaska. Uh, they've been in Alaska for the last five days or so, I guess about eight days altogether. And what happened was they got a chance um, to go preach. Nate got a chance to preach uh, to all the high school students in the state of Alaska. So 600 of them came together, or Christians obviously came together, and they uh, preached. He's been uh, holding services every night there. So continue to pray for him. And this morning he's preaching in a, in a large church there as well. So anyway, that's what they've been doing. They had... Uh, you know, six kids, and uh, they uh, had a heck of a time getting there. The morning they left uh, was 4.30 in the morning at the airport to get out, and as soon as they arrived, we were checking them in, and uh, they said, oh, it's been delayed till 10 a.m. Now, any of you parents of young kids can really appreciate how bad that was. Waking kids up at 2.30 in the morning or whatever and getting them there. They could have been sleeping. So anyway, they got there about 24 hours later. And since then, they have been uh, working and enjoying the kids and fishing and doing all kinds of stuff. So pray for them. But it's been a little bit of vacation for the kids. And uh, for mom and dad, it's a lot of work. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing them. They'll be back next week. I'll be back Tuesday morning. All right. So with that, let's pray, and then we'll open up our message, okay? Jesus, thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you for the powerful uh, truths that are in your Word. And I pray, O oh Lord, that they will help to encourage and lift the hearts of my brothers and sisters here this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you see here, this is a bulletproof vest. This is a bulletproof vest that uh, I had when I was a D.C. policeman, um, this was a test vest. They wanted to see if these uh, smaller ones could work. But they actually came along, if you go back 40 years ago, 1983, there was no money in the city budget for bulletproof vests. N never in the history of the police department in D.C. had they had bulletproof vests. And so they really wanted to get them. So in 1983, we'd had several officers killed in the last few years prior to that uh, that could have had their lives saved if they had one of these things on. So, the city didn't have the money, so they did a big campaign where they raised the money to try to outfit all the policemen. They had to raise $500,000. I can remember it being on the side of buses in the city saying, you know, save a cop's life or whatever, and uh, you could donate and so on. And so, this was a big move. Now, finally, they got these things. Finally, they got them, and they were able to distribute them to all the police. Now, uh... Maybe about 10 years later, I was a sergeant over in Northeast Washington, and we were in the middle or towards the end of what we would call in America the, the crack wars. It was almost like a civil war. If you look at the amount of human beings that died during that period, it's remarkable, unbelievable. There was a lot of shooting and a lot of violence. And so um, the police, when we were working the midnight shift then, and I'd just been transferred to uniform, and so guys were required now to wear the vest that everybody had tried to raise the money for. Now, while we're doing that, I, I go and I got one guy in the unit 
who doesn't want to wear his vest. Now think about this. After all we've been through and all these other guys have done, they didn't want, he didn't want to do it. Why? He was uncomfortable. He was proud. He said, I don't need that thing. Uh, he was going to make it without this. Brothers and sisters, the purpose of the message this morning is to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. It will be, it will serve as the bulletproof vest to the Christian's life. It is the one that God has uh, given us to protect what? Our hearts. See, these things aren't made. They weren't made to protect the wrist. They didn't have things on the buses. Oh, let's protect, uh, protect the ankles of policemen everywhere. No. We had to protect what? The vital organs, the heart. So we needed something to do it with. In the same way God uses the righteousness of God to be the covering, the protection for your heart. Here's what I mean. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Open there to, ch uh, to verses uh, specifically 10 to 14 as we're going to go over this and try to see if we can understand how we are to put on our spiritual bulletproof vest to protect our hearts from the attacks of the enemy. Let's start in verse 10. Now, I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Bible. This is just another version of the scriptures that helps to expand and explain a little bit more what the Greek language was trying to get across. So here we go. In conclusion, so this is the end of the book. He's written to him a letter. Remember, as the whole time he's writing this letter, he's literally chained to a Roman soldier right there. So you've got to believe, or wonder at least, if some of what he uses as an analogy about the armor of the uh, Roman soldier isn't driven by the fact that he's sitting right next to one. And so as he talks about the different parts of the Roman soldier's um, armor, he's looking at it, and he's, and he's adding it in. So as he's doing this, he's chained there. He's at the end of the letter. He's now writing this. This is what he says. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, or continually strengthened in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. Be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might. It's really great knowing you're with someone who has boundless might. Put on the full armor of God. For his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. So that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending with just physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God. This is a command now. So that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the Christ demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground. Having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, how in the world would that relate to guys like you and me, to people like us, to put on the breastplate of righteousness? 
Well, let's understand theologically what's going on there. He's saying put on the righteousness of God. Why would we need this? Well, because we're sinful people. You know that very well. Matter of fact, you'll find that one of the hardest things to struggle with, one of the ways that Satan gets at your heart the most, is by reminding you of all your past sins and your lack of righteousness. I don't know about you, but this happens to me all the time. I find the lies and the enemy and the deceit of the devil that can affect my heart more than any physical attack is the lies from Satan, the, the, the idea that he reminds me of all the things I've done and he'll send others to remind me of the things I can't do. He'll uh, uh, attack us and attack our hearts through all of these different voices. And yet we must understand this theology of what's understanding. Romans 4, 5 says this. But to the one who does not work, doesn't try to earn his salvation, but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Wait a minute. You and I, right standing with God. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what happened. If you've repented, if you've gotten under the, the blood of Jesus Christ, if you have bowed your knee to him and you have given him full control of your life, you must understand the truth is you are in right standing with God. The truth is that you and I, people like us, can walk into the battle that this world has in confidence. Why? Because we got the vest on. Let me tell you something. When you know you're going into a gun battle, when you can hear the gunfire, it is really nice to have the vest. If you don't have the vest, I've been in both situations. When you don't have the vest, you're required to be extra careful. You have to almost be, uh, you're, you're pulled back from doing what you need to do because you don't have that covering. This is exactly where Satan wants to keep us as the church of Jesus Christ wants us to keep us back reminding us that immediately as soon as we want to call sin sin or as soon as we want to tell our child to not do something or walk with God or avoid the wickedness that we see on television or in our culture all those things stop because we remember what we're like and we say who am I to be talking to others unless you remember that the righteousness of God is yours by the blood of Jesus Christ, he has done this. Let me read you another one, just so you get this in your hearts. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. We would be made acceptable to him and in right relationship to him. Why? By his gracious loving kindness. Here Jesus has given you the breastplate of righteousness, yet I'm afraid that for many of us, our hearts are exposed all the time, and the breastplate of righteousness lays right there, apart from us. Won't do us any good there. Won't do us any good there. You know, as you think of the daily battles that we have, it is critical that we understand all that has happened to give us that righteousness, all that Christ has done so that we don't believe Satan's lies. And we are worthy to wear this breastplate of righteousness. We don't remember the evil, but instead we believe in a Savior who forgets our sins and remembers our work. Imagine this. Think of this. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers them no more. 
And then the same God in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, he says this. He says, I will not forget the work you've done and the love you have shown me. What? He forgets my sin, but he remembers the good stuff. What a savior. That's a heck of a deal. I couldn't get my mom to go with that. I don't know about you. I certainly didn't get any of my teachers to go with that. And my wife and I are trying to go with that, but it's hard, isn't it? But not for the Lord Jesus. See, uh, the way that you and I are attacked mostly, our heart is not most exposed physically. Look, I don't want physical attack to happen to you. I don't want bad things to happen to you. I don't want you to get sick. I hate getting sick. I don't want any danger to happen to you. But be honest now. The biggest danger to you, look, the biggest danger to you is what happens to your heart. You're more upset by the conflict or the guilt or the lies that you believe they hurt more. And I, let, me, let me break it down to you in a way you can understand. Everybody get this one. Is it worse to have a cold or to get broken up with by somebody you love? No doubt in my mind. Anybody who has lived uh, very long on this planet has had that happen. There's nothing like that, right? Why? It's got your heart. Got your heart. You get sick. You can't eat. Can't sleep. This is the power of the, the enemy to affect the heart is what God is trying to protect. He's trying to get you out of all that pain. He's trying to get you to put on the breastplate of righteousness so you can stand and then again to stand. Notice in this passage, he says this multiple times. Cover the heart, and here's why. He says, put on this armor, why? Verse 11, so that you can successfully stand against the schemes of the devil. Um, he says in verse 13, therefore resist and stand uh, in the day of danger, in the day of evil. Then again, stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Stand firm, it says in verse 14, hold your ground. Having tightened the brand of truth, the God's word, around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The dangers, brothers and sisters, is to the heart. And if you go out in this world without that covering over your heart, without knowing I'm in the righteousness of God, then the problems you face, the struggles you face, even though they might just be the normal struggles of life, they can get very bad very quick. Why? Because they attack the heart. The Lord Jesus, the Word of God, protects us from this. We must put it on. We must put it on. Um, three things that I would say to help you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Number one is you need to rely on God. So he starts by saying that, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, not you being strong. You don't need to go to the gym again. Be strong in the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Number two, remember that the enemy is real. Here's one of the biggest problems that happens. The reason cops don't wear the vest a lot is because they minimize the risk. They say, uh, listen, I haven't been shot in the heart yet. What's the big deal? I'll leave it there. I'll leave it in my car. I'll not put it on. Uh, that happens to other guys. Won't happen to me. Uh, I don't believe the war is real. This is what happens to us Christians. We don't, look, we realize all the things going on around us, and we break them down in every other category other than the spiritual war that's really going on. It's like we got to get glasses to see what is happening. Brothers and sisters, look, just, just look at your news feed. 
Just look at what's going on. Then evaluate what's going on in your life. Evaluate what your family's facing. Evaluate the struggles that are, you're facing. Think about the things. Understand there's a spiritual battle that is trying. The enemy is real. The enemy is real. And he's trying to attack you and especially get to your heart. So the enemy is real. The third reason you need, or the third way you're going to make sure you think to put the best breastplate of righteousness on is that you want to hold your ground. I don't know about you, but I get tired of falling into Satan's lies. I get tired of making the same mistakes I made before. I don't understand why I have yet in 38 years of marriage to get this thing straight. I can't resist sometimes. I feel like I am getting pulled into the same temptations over and over and over again. And the reasoning can be, a part of this can be, that we're simply not putting on God's righteousness, trusting his strength, relying on him, understanding this is really a bigger battle than me and my wife or whatever the conflict is. Anything like that to understand, look, I need to stand. I need to hold firm. The good news is, in this picture, he sells you to stand. He doesn't tell you you've got to gain new ground. He says to stand against the struggle, to resist, to stand firm. Now, let me give you an analogy. Uh, back in, um, many years ago, D.C. police uh, were required and required, we were ordered to protect the Ku Klux Klan. That's right. The Ku Klux Klan got a permit to protest in Washington, D.C. They got all of Constitution Avenue. Can you imagine? There's about nine of them, seven or eight, nine of them, whatever, and their silly outfits and everything from somewhere in Kentucky or Tennessee or something. But they got a permit. Now, it's a African-American city, African-American chief, African-American guys I worked with, but we're required to protect these, these guys. So we're, we're required to protect them. And now the real problem is that when we go to protect them, they had to take out every policeman that was on the police department. It was such a big deal. And of course, everybody wanted to get at these guys, these protesters. Uh, the protesters wanted to get at the protesters. So they put the police on every block and every district was required. Now, I was working narcotics, so they had made us go find our uniforms, and we all were mismatched and a mess. We uh, didn't have the right helmets, so we all had the wrong helmets on and everything. We got it. And we had one shield for about 30 of us. And they told us, you stand there, and whatever you do, you got to make sure that those protesters don't... Uh, uh, break the line and then go over. Now, it wasn't really the Klan people we were worried about, but if they'd have gone through, they could have hurt lots of innocent people and so on. So we just needed to respond by holding fast until the thing was over in a few minutes. So they had us standing there, and we spent one Saturday like this. Okay, so here's what they teach you when you're standing there. You're going to be Hundreds and hundreds of people are going to try to get past you, and you only got a few of you. So what do you do? They train you this way, and this is the opposite of every other kind of training you would get, is all you're supposed to do is stand there. Don't move. So no matter what, when they come up, even when they train you, they'll scream, they'll yell, they'll throw things at you, and the, the deal is to try to get you not to move, just to hold fast. So they give you the protection and everything so that you're supposed to be there to hold fast. Now, uh, as I told you, we had one... Uh, one shield between us in this thing, and they were throwing bricks and bottles and all. And uh, we had a leader, and our leader uh, took the shield for himself and uh, went over to the corner. So that was, that was our leader. The, the truth is, look, what I remember about this and what that training teaches you is the same thing really as a Christian. You got to get your gear on. You got to put the armor of God on. You got to put the 
the, the, the shield on. You got to put on your breastplate of righteousness so that when the enemy's onslaught comes, when it comes, you can stand firm and resist. Stand firm. Let me tell you the difference, though, with us. Here's the great news. You know what I hated? I hated on the police department working for guys who had never done what they're asking me to do. I saw that that was weak leadership. But here's the great thing as a Christian the Lord Jesus has resisted it all. Remember, he stood on the front lines, he came here. We didn't go up the mountain to him. He came down to us. He came here. He suffered. He died. He was tested in every way like you are, yet without sin. He resisted every time. So, brothers and sisters, you and I have a leader who has made it, who has resisted, and is our uh, Savior. He has also prepared each of us to do it. But here's the difference. When you are holding the line like there, the leader is to stand behind the line in the midst of the conflict and keep saying, hold the line, hold the line. Not one person can come back. Hold the line. Here's the difference. We and you and I as Christians... The Lord Jesus says he has put us to resist the onslaught of the enemy. Whatever lie tells you, you can't make it out of here. You can't change. You're stuck at the way you were is the way you're always going to be. Whatever it may be, this trial is never going to end. It's never going to get better. My kid's never going to change. My life's never going to. He's telling you resist, stand firm, and behind you the whole time he's saying this. We got a leader saying to us, hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line. Our Savior who has been through it all, who has held the line for us, is telling you, hold the line. Lord Jesus, we pray and we thank you that you stand with us, that we have a Savior who has been through and endured. You are our hero, Lord Jesus. You have been tested in every way. Born in a village of 400 people in a place that was, had no possible usefulness on this planet or certainly in world history. You were raised there, and until the age of 30, you had achieved what the world would say nothing. Yet through your life, Lord Jesus, people gather not just here, but all around this world. Hospitals exist. Orphanages exist. <clears throat> Medical doctors and medicine and hospitals exist. All because of what you started, the power and the and the, and, the, and, the, and the mercy that you brought to this world. Lord Jesus, you are our hero. You are the one, Lord, who resisted when they attacked, who stood firm like you're telling us to. And Jesus, you didn't leave us here unarmed, unprotected, but you gave us the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the armor of God. And Lord Jesus, you stand with us in the battle, telling us, Hold the line. So Jesus, may my brothers and sisters hear this tonight when they're tempted to watch the wrong thing on the television. Hold the line. May they hear it, Lord Jesus, when they are tempted to yell back at someone who has said something negative to them. May they say, hold the line. When they're tempted to be respond when they're mistreated in a restaurant or mistreated at work, that they hear the words of Jesus, hold the line. Lord, may they hear your voice, Lord Jesus. When they're tempted to lose their tempers, may they hear you saying behind them, hold the line. When they hear the lies of Satan saying, this anxiety is never going to stop. That this panic will never get better. 
that I'm the only one in the world that is going through this. Lord, the schemes and the strategies of the enemy, trying to hit them in their hearts. Lord Jesus, may they hear your voice. Hold the line. And may they, after all is said and done, having done all, as you say, to stand. Oh, Jesus, may that prayer be answered. And may those who have not entered into this relationship with you that are unprotected in this life, may they repent and turn to you and ask you for salvation so that they too can have a relationship with this one who stands with us in battle. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will hear us now as we praise you and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us? See, like, we just want to teach you um, this song, and it talks about what Dale was preaching about and how the Lord has already won the battle, that we don't have to be afraid because he's conquered it all. He defeated death. So it goes like this. I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You're my savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. Come on, let's sing it out one more time. I know how. I know how the story ends. We will be with you. We will be with you again. You're my Savior. You're my Savior, my defense. No more fear. No more fear in life or death. And this is how the chorus goes. I'm fighting a battle you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing. But I know what you've done I'm fighting a battle You've already won Let's sing it out one more time I'm fighting I'm fighting a battle You've already won No matter what comes my way
this future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won so I can face tomorrow for tomorrow's in your hands all I need you will provide just like you always have come on let's sing this out I'm fighting a battle you've already won no matter what comes my way I will overcome don't know what you're doing but I know Your spirit is my help. I'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. I'll say that it is well. I know that it is well. Yeah. 
blessing you are, brother. What a blessing. To, to come up with that song, I don't know, amen? What an encouragement. I mean, really, <clears throat> that is the sermon, that song. That sermon uh, is right there, you know? Uh, some of those words, you know, like, I don't know what you're doing. You feel that? I, I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but I know what you've done. Amen? That's what gets you up and makes you through those struggles, those times, the uh, as we think about this, as we think about what we got waiting on us, it started with the death of our dear Savior, our wonderful Savior who stands with us today. He died a long time ago. He gave his life for us. And so we remember it every week with communion. We have the bread and the, and the, and the juice, and we are reminded of these words where Jesus said, Now as, these, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat this is my body and after he had taken a cup and given thanks he gave it to them and he said drink from it all of you for this is the blood of the new and better covenant which ratifies the agreement being poured out for many as substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins brothers and sisters everything we've talked about today the Lord's protection over you you becoming the righteousness of God you becoming a forgiven person righteous in him the ones who can sing the song with him confidently that is all because of the work that jesus did here so now as we sing this last song um take part in communion between you and the lord jesus remember that his payment and what it means for you in the day-to-day -day fight 